0: Well, let's get into our final conversation of the day. And for our health talk today, we're putting the spotlight on adult ADHD. Dr. Franz Korb is a psychiatrist working in private practice in Johannesburg. Dr. Korb, good morning to you. Thanks for making time to be on our show today.
1: Yes, so good morning and good morning to all the listeners. It's good to be back on SAFM again.
0: Mm. ADHD yeah. is often something that is misunderstood. Is it, a, is it a disease? How do we describe it in, in general terms?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is unfortunately you correct that it is one of those uh, misunderstood uh, disorders. And it's also something I think that is very and recognized both by people the population as well as by doctors. But you know it comes a long way. The first ADHD patients was described sure more than a hundred years ago, and initially it was thought that it was just uh, occurs in children. Mm. But in the last 20 years or so with, with all the modern research, we now know very very well that this, this thing happens in adults as well. It's not only in children. And also, in the beginning, years ago, they always thought that, you know, it's just a kind of a behavior disorder in children. But with the information that we've gotten in the last, say, at least 10 to 20 years, they've now changed it from a behavior disorder into what they call a neurodevelopmental disorder. Mm-hmm. Because now we know that there's, there's, there are definite medical bases, there are definite medical things, uh, biological things that goes wrong in a person's brain that suffers
0: from ADHD. You you describe it as a yeah. uh, disorder and and not yeah. a, so so is that the the correct way of 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 naming it or can we say disease can we say illness because yeah. uh, i also want to make yeah. sure that w- we are we're calling it by its right name.
1: Yeah. It, it, it all those words basically means the same. Mm. I mean, a disorder, a disease, illness, is all very much the same thing. And I think especially now that we know that uh, there's a, a big biological basis to it, that there's a chemical basis, you know, that we've got lots of medications now on the market that we can treat uh, ADHD. Mm. So, um, you know, we now know that it is a medical illness. So, if you call it illness, disease, disorder, it's very, very much the same thing.
2: Okay. But you
1: know, it is—it's a different disorder. It's not something. It's not just a behaviour thing that people must stop behaving in that way.
2: Mm. It
1: is really something that, that is present. It, it, it affects really sure, up to about five percent at least of the adult population, and it is something that that really affects a person's uh, adult quality of life in all aspects. And, you know, it's something that needs to be recognized and mm. something that we need to keep properly.
0: Dr. Corb, we're going to be talking yeah. about some of those symptoms and, you know, how it is that ADHD manifests itself in adults. What are the differences uh, between adults and what we see in children in a moment? Our health talk, putting the spotlight on ADHD today.
3: The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday.
0: We continue the conversation on The Talking Point. Dr. Franz Korb is a psychiatrist. He works in private practice. And of course, we're talking about ADHD today, adult ADHD in particular. So, Dr. Korb, how does ADHD present in adults?
1: I, I just quickly what take a minute just to explain about children. Sure. you know when we look at children, um they they've really got these three groups or, or uh, clusters of symptoms. and if I can just quickly explain them, the mm. first cluster is they suffer from inattention. So always problems with attention, you know they they, they they don't show attention to detail, they make careless mistakes. They don't listen in class, they're always losing things, they're always distracted. All those kind of things is the attention cluster thing. If one look at, look at the second cluster of symptoms, it's the hyperactivity. They fidget, they can't sit in their, their, their seats, they run, they climb, they're all over the place, they're on the go all the time. And then the third cluster is the impulsivity, where they will just blurt out uh, answers, they they talk a lot, they can't wait in a queue, they can't wait their turn, all those kind of things. So those are the three main clusters in in, in children. But then when you move over to adults, and I think that is the reason why uh, all the years they they perhaps believe that it doesn't really exist in adults, because as you grow into adulthood, and they've now shown that about 90% of children with ADHD will still have some of those symptoms left in adulthood, so it doesn't disappear as they thought many years ago. But as they grow into adulthood, the symptoms kind of change. And I can quickly perhaps to go through a few of those symptoms, how it happens. The first thing is adults are disorganized. They can't plan ahead. Um, uh, you know, they, 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 their diaries are in a mess. They don't keep diaries, by the way, whether it's a, a written diary or a phone diary. Um, they, they, At the offices, their desks are in a total disarray. They don't know where to start, where to stop. So it's the disorganization. The second uh, symptom or group of symptoms is forgetfulness. They miss appointments. They come late for appointments. They always lose things. They lose their keys. They lose their wallets. So it's forgetfulness. Th- thirdly, is procrastination. So, so they would start projects, or they're the ones that will always leave things to the last minute. And then once, and they will tell you when I see them at the practice, I can only work under pressure. So if I know the thing has to be in tomorrow, then I'll work through the night to get it finished. So it is, again, that poor planning, procrastination, leaving things to the last minute. And they're also the ones that will start many things and then not finish anything. They're the ones that, when they work on a computer, they'll have 10 screens open. Every time they open a screen, they think of something else, open another screen, and by the end of the day, all the, they've got all these screens open, but they haven't actually finished one of those tasks. Then time management, they're always late for, for things, always late for appointments, uh, that thing, then uh, uh, they easily distracted. So um, they would sit, start working, and then they would hear somebody going to the coffee station at work, and then they'll think, oh, I need coffee, and they'll get up and, and, and have coffee. On their way back to the desk where they, they, they need to start working again, as a thought will come into the head, I must go and ask that person for something. Then they'll go to that person. So they're always like on the go, but they never, ever complete tasks. Then the next one, impulsive decisions they they they, they uh, will go to a, a shop or a shopping center and see something there and just buy it without thinking about the consequences so they often overspend spend unnecessary money and then they would get home and think sure, i shouldn't have bought that because i don't really need that often there is is uh, they get involved with the police because they they speed uh, they drive too fast. They always have got multiple speeding tickets or, or traffic tickets. And they're the ones, unfortunately, that also often get involved with substance abuse, with, with drugs and, and and cannabis and that. And you can see them in their histories that they've got unstable jobs and relationships. They're often the ones that frequently change jobs. They frequently get divorced because people can't put up with them. And I think The one that I had in the practice with the most has been married five times. Mm. So unstable jobs and relationships. And then lastly, obviously, because of this kind of difficult life they're leading, they've got low self-esteem and they're prone to anxiety and depression. So that, in a a rush, just, you know, the kind of basic things how adults present with with, with ADHD, adult ADHD. Uh,
0: Dr. Cobb, you know. a lot, yeah. You, you, yeah you're going through some of these some of these symptoms and I'm like well you know um, it, not keeping a diary I think there'll be many adults who have a diary but maybe don't update it people yeah. who procrastinate um, Yeah. Who are late for appointments? Don't get things done. So these are things that, on any given day, I'm thinking about uh, myself. Here, I'll use myself an ex- as yeah. an example. That probably within a space of two weeks, probably one of these uh, things yeah. that you're talking about has happened. So how how does one know? When yeah. you know you are just going through a hectic period, where maybe you're just a bit busy, and yeah. you've yeah. just let things fall through the cracks, or when now you you actually need to realize that there might be something deeper there.
1: Yeah, no, that that's a very important question because you, you're absolutely right. I mean, we all, myself as well, I sometimes forget to do things as well. But but what we look at when you take Eastern, that is why. You, you actually need a doctor that knows uh, how, what, what the disease is all, or the illness is all about, mm. is first of all, it, there must be a history of it. And and according to the textbooks, you, you need to have some of these symptoms from childhood. They say before the age of 12, you need to see these symptoms. So it's a, it's a life period of, of symptoms that has been going on. So that's the first important thing. It's not something that has occurred in the last and the second thing that is important, it must affect uh, a few areas of your functioning. Mm. So it must be affecting your academic, uh, if you're still at university, or it must af- affect your, your uh, occupation, your, where you're working at the moment. It must affect your relationships, um, it, it, you know, all those kind of things. So it must affect more than at least two or more areas of your life. So, so, you know, yeah. those are the two basic things that, that you, can, you have to look at. So it's, it's always, always like, you know, with, with all psychiatric things, it's, it's a matter of degree. But it's the same with, with depression. You know, when you treat depression, when you put a person on medication, it's really when the depression starts affecting your daily life, your functioning, your quality of life. And that's really mm-hmm. much the same with adult ADHD as well.
0: What is the role of genetics when it comes to ADHD? So especially given yeah. the fact that, you know, you're talking about how one's history overall plays such a big role. I mean, is this a disease that's hereditary or that one needs to look out for, especially if there's a family history of it?
1: Yeah, there's an enormous genetic component to it. Mm. And I think the, the studies have shown some of the genetic studies that the genetic uh, uh, inheritance component is, is up to about 78%. So which means, and, and, and I mean, we see that if you, if you, if you see a child in, in practice who's diagnosed with ADHD in your practice, there's almost an 80% chance that at least one of the parents will have it as well. So, so the, the genetic uh, factor is extremely high with, with, with these children mm-hmm. and, and the parents as well and the siblings as well. So we always, always ask when we treat people with ADHD, you know, do you have a child? Do you have a parent? And often the parents will come to us, the adults will come to us because they've taken the child to the doctor, they've made the diagnosis and the parents said, you know, I was sitting listening there to, to what the doctor asked us. And when I was at school, I did exactly the same. Mm. So so and that is often how the adults come to us because, you know, they start recognizing themselves. Or then of course they often go onto the internet and on the internet there's lots of little questionnaires you can do to, to check if you've got adult ADHD, if one Googles adult adult ADHD.
0: So that, the inheritance
1: yeah. component is high.
0: Mm. Dr. Cobb, we're going to continue with this conversation in a moment. I'll also be taking your calls on 011-714-2006. So many of you are already starting to message and talking about how you're picking up on a lot of the symptoms and how they apply to your lives. And we'll hear what the advice that Dr. Cobb has for you on the WhatsApp line 0614-104-107. And standing by with the latest headlines.
3: (laughs) SAFM 104 to 107 nationwide. Leading the conversation.
0: We are talking ADHD for our health talk today. Dr. Franz Korb is the psychiatrist that is leading us through this conversation and helping us better understand what ADHD, specifically in the adult form, looks like. I'm going to go to the phone lines shortly. Before I do that, Dr. Korb, when it comes then to diagnosis of ADHD, what is the process that is followed there?
1: Yeah, I think the first thing we need to do is is I think people must really consult a a doctor or a a psychiatrist with some knowledge about the disease because, you know, um, the the thing we don't want, I mean, these days, like I said, we've got lots of medications that we can use, but we don't want somebody just to go to a doctor with not so much knowledge about it and the doctor just says, take one of these medicines and see if it works. So uh, I think the first thing one needs to do, one, one needs to try and consult a kind of a person uh, uh, with, with experience dealing with ADHD. And that can be a psychiatrist. There are some GPs as well that have uh, that have kind of upscaled themselves a little bit regarding the knowledge of ADHD. And in children, there are child psychiatrists. And then there are some neurologists as well that, that deals with, with with these kind of things and pediatricians and developmental pediatricians with children. So first of all, the uh, expert that, you know, to at least make the diagnosis mm. uh, because once you've made the diagnosis, obviously on the correct medication, then the GP can continue with it because to make the diagnosis, one really has to, to make uh, or, or go into lots of detail uh, about the patient and, and one looks obviously at the current symptoms and in detail about how the person is functioning currently. Um, the function the total current functioning in the current situation, wherever they are working, university, wherever. Then one needs to get a, a full childhood history to find out how they've been at school, how they performed at school um, and, and that kind of thing. We need to exclude medical things as well. So there must be medical examination done as well. And the other big thing often we, we need to look at our psychiatric, what we call psychiatric comorbidities. Because sometimes uh, people with ADHD do have anxiety, depression, and all of that. So that must also be tackled and treated. Mm. So, so really one needs to make a very, very good uh, evaluation of, of these symptoms. So we use at least an hour's consultation, if not more, to to uh, get a very good past history.
0: Let me go to Durban, uh, Dr. Corb Mangoba. You're yeah. calling us from Durban. Good morning. morning. Yes.
4: Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for taking my call. And I'm just, um, look, I'm not suffering from ADHD, luckily. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a student in uh, doing PhD in neuroscience, which is related, uh, which uh, I find ADHD, ADHD um, interesting, but I'm not doing research on that as such. But I'm just saying, I'm just commenting uh, your guess that... Um, uh, finally, they have realized that H D H D, like uh, many other neuropsychiatric disorders, do have a, bio- do have a biological basis. But uh, yeah. the only problem I have with most uh, medical practitioners is that they don't realize that most of these biological bases originate from, um, from prenatal life. That is um, uh, what sort of prenatal exposure the person has. Uh, in his or her mother's womb, and also genetics do play a role, but uh, also epigenetics, I think they play a bigger role. Uh, having said that, I, 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 I wish to agree with uh, your guests that HDHD um, is um, a brain disorder. Basically, uh, from the literature review I've been doing last year, I realize that uh, most of the studies done in America and Europe, they uh, come up with um, some kind of uh, more concrete finding that one of the brain structures that is um, severely or seriously impaired is the right parietal cortex. To the extent that one of the American researchers have come up with some kind of uh, what they call diagnostic tools. But anyway, these are psychometric tests. That are specifically targeted at assessing the degree of um, uh, right parietal cortex uh, function. Uh, one of those functions is time uh, time processing, and I realize you for instance, other patients with the HDHD, they have a problem with time management, mm. which is quite uh, co- 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 consistent with um, uh, the the premise that uh, the right parietal cortex is among the most severely affected brain structures in any HDHD, whether it's kids or adults.
0: So, Mangoba just, just so that you, you explain that to us, that people then struggle with processing time?
4: Yeah, they struggle with uh, not only time, but um, mm. um, uh, the right parietal cortex is involved in many, many um, higher cognitive abilities like mathematics, uh, time, partial processing, emotion, even emotion like fear, for instance, is said to be uh, largely controlled in the right parietal cortex, mm-hmm. unlike the other psychiatrists who still believe that fear is processing the amygdala, which is an old brain structure or the so-called limbic system. But anyway, um, the most interesting um, cognitive uh, task of the right parietal cortex, which is uh, severely affected in HDHD is time and space uh, or uh, temporal and spatial processing so people with ADHD will probably have also a problem with spatial orientation like for instance if someone is driving a car they might lose direction uh, as a result of maybe losing um, uh, what, what we call it um, uh, the spatial orientation but i, I hope uh, that most of them don't have that problem except It might be a a little bit more severe at night when you're driving at night in the dark than during the day. But uh, time management-wise, I I think that is quite interesting. And I suggest that um, um, uh, doctors and other uh, researchers, they must do more research in South Africa to sort of try and come up with a solution that can help uh, with diagnosis and with treatment of H D H D kids than adults, mm. So that is a, quite an interesting subject.
0: All right. Mangoba, thank you for calling in out in Durban there. Uh, Dr. Kolb?
1: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I don't want to get into too much detail, you know, about the, the, the kind of biological basis, mm. but but absolutely. I mean, now we know, like I've said, over the last, say, 15 to 20 years, we've now really discovered many things. And like you said, it is a, a biological, it is a medical, it's a brain disease. And and he's now highlighting the kind of areas of the brain. But we've also known now over these years that there are certain areas of the brain involved. And when they do scans that the brains of people suffering from ADHD, there are different parts of the brain involved specifically in ADHD. We know that there are certain tracts that that means, you know, the, the, the nerves that connect certain parts of the brain is, 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 is uh, uh, wrong as well. And basically that is how our medication works. Because the medication, we, we know that there are the, what we call the attentional pathways. Those are the pathways in the brain where the brain nerve, long nerve cells like long ropes connect different parts of the brain. And in those attentional pathways that make you focus and pay attention, there's a, a, a lack of, of certain brain chemicals, specifically dopamine and, and noradrenaline. And what the, the medicines do that we use for the treatment of ADHD is they correct the concentration of the dopamine and, and noradrenaline in those pathways that, that makes you pay attention and pay and do, can focus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's the basis of how it works. But But we are now discovering many, many more things from a purely scientific point of view, uh, what what happens. And I think in future we will still discover many more things, uh, how this this disease, this illness, this this disorder, what exactly happens in the brain of of these people. Uh,
0: So then, Dr. Corb, is it possible to diagnose ADHD by simply looking at uh, one's brain scan?
1: No, we can't do that Mm.
0: because
1: what we're looking at here are are kind of, can I call it, micro things. So it's really very, very small things, chemicals that go wrong, parts of the brain. And and, and our brain scans can show big big kind of anatomical differences at this stage. Um, So we can't really on a brain scan. But I mean, there are are new developments, though there are, are PET scans and things like that where they can start looking at different neurochemicals in the brain. But those things are still not really, really sophisticated enough to say, let me send you for a scan to diagnose ADHD. Mm. But in terms of those markers, I'm sure in the years to come, we will definitely get there. I've but got not
0: at the yeah, moment. yeah. Yeah, I've I've got a message here from one of our listeners who says uh, I am absolutely ADHD. Every symptom he has mentioned, and the listeners, yeah. the listener asks, what is the solution? Me, my whole life since birth, basically every symptom every day. My son was diagnosed at age five. I didn't think I had ADHD till recent years now that it's spoken about as an adult problem as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. There there is exactly, you see, what I mentioned, that, you know, the children have it and then the adults recognize it as well. We haven't spoken much about uh, management or treatment. Uh, Obviously, uh, what, what we now know is, because we know it's a brain disease, medication and then now we've got quite a lot of medications luckily on the market is still kind of the foundation so I would suggest that she would go and see a person with knowledge of ADHD, a doctor, a psychiatrist Mm. and and to get this whole history I've been talking about and then what we usually do is we then put people on medication and, and that is often not so easy because everybody is different so you need to find the right medication for the person obviously where it works without side effects side effects is often a problem in, in, in medication. And then once you've got the right medication, the patient must then get to the right dose. So it might take a bit of time to, to get to the right medication. Once the person is on the right medication, then there are quite a few other things we can do as well. You know, if there are still problems with with uh, time management and organization uh, ability in that, we can always send them, for instance, to an occupational therapist. And they can often do kind of ADHD coaching where they can help people how to do time management, how to keep a proper diary, how to properly organize your day, that kind of thing. So that we can use an OT. If, if there are, in children specifically, speech or language problems, we can use a, a, a speech and language therapist. In children specifically, if they have got difficulties with certain subjects like math, we can send them to a remedial teacher to help them with that. And if there are any psychological problems, we can then send them to a clinical psychologist to help with that. So you know, so we use the, the medicine as a basis and, and, and to do the assessment, and then whatever remains, all the residual symptoms and issues that remains. I mean, if, if the ADHD has affected their marriage, then one needs to get them to a marriage counselor. Mm. So, so one then needs to see what is left And then one needs to get the person to the appropriate specialists or or medical practitioners to help them with those things. Mm -hmm. So it's really one needs to look at a a comprehensive management of of ADHD. You know, it's not such an easy thing as just say, there's a pill, the pill will uh, fix your life. So that is very important that people go for proper assessment and then just take a little bit of time to get all the right treatments.
0: I also just want to talk about the side effects of, of the medication yeah. because, again, that seems to be something that a lot of people struggle with in terms of, like you're saying, identifying what medication works for an individual, uh, how yeah. much of the dosage they need in order to, to help them manage their symptoms. So let's talk yeah. uh, about these side effects that, that you have found. And there's also you know this idea that often... Um, the the medication does put one in it's not really numb but where it almost suppresses uh, one's creativity or suppresses one's natural emotion but uh, you know you're the expert here you can tell us a bit more about that
1: yeah i I mean yeah i i I, we get those kind of complaints from time to time and and of course if, if you feel Uh, First of all, like I said, one always needs to start low. Um, People usually develop side effects when when you jump in and and give a person a high dose of medicines. And that is what what we, and especially with these kind of medicines, should not do. One should always start low, see how the child or the adult tolerate the medicines, if there are side effects or not, and, and then slowly increase it to make sure that the symptoms get controlled but there are are no side effects. Unfortunately, with medicines, uh, and that's just all known medicines, not only with these, there might be side effects. And and often, when you start using the medicine, uh, the the side effects after the first few days, a week or so, will will go away. So sometimes one just needs to persevere a a little bit for the the, the side effects to get better. But, you know, if... if, um, that there are side effects and it's bad and the people can't tolerate it, then one needs to switch to a different one. And like I said, at least now we've got a few different classes of medicines mm. that we can use for ADHD. Mm. And, you know, it's exactly like you said, that some people feel they numb, they feel kind of almost depressed, they feel those kind of things. That often tells us perhaps that the medicine, the dose is a little bit too high, or one needs to use another medicine, for instance, that's long acting, that is a slow release. And the slow release ones, where you don't get those peaks of medicines in a person's bloodstream, often those also have less side effects or or less coming off at the afternoon when it's worked out of your system um, side effects. So there are all these kind of things that we look at. But but obviously, one man every doctor must pay attention to side effects because we know that side effects is one of the main reasons why patients stop taking their medicines. Mm. And, and so one any doctor must, with any medication, always really take note of side effects.
0: I want to go to yep. the WhatsApp line, Dr. Corb. We've got uh, a number yeah. of voice notes that have been uh, sent through. So we'll just take uh, one or two of them, and then I'll give you a chance to respond to what they're saying.
4: Today, Franz, Morning, Is It's senior? Please ask the doctor how do
3: I help an adult who has this problem because I stay with somebody that has, that has this adult ADHD, but she does not want to
4: accept that she has it. How do I go about assisting or helping her? Dr.
0: Cobb. What did he say?
1: How do you uh, you know somebody?
0: Yes, um, he, he believes he's, he's he's living with somebody who has ADHD, but uh, is in denial about it. Oh yeah,
1: so you know that that is the the kind of persistent problem we've always got with all the psychiatric problems. You know, from depression to you know, all of those kind of things. And and um I suppose that the only way one can really do, and and I think. That is to talk to the person about it because often uh, people that refuse to get help are the people that do not understand exactly what it's all about. Mm. And so, you know, what we call psychoeducation or, or talking about it is, is the best way of, of trying to describe to them, you know, that you, you might have a problem. What one can also do is, and, and what, what you do is, is sit down and talk to the person and look at all the symptoms And one can often get pamphlets about the disease or get the disease uh, information off the Internet and sit down with a person and say, look, this is the list of symptoms. Let us go through it, and then you can see this. This is really a medical problem and you need help with. How lots of people, other people we convince is they actually go onto the Internet and then fill in the, just Google ADHD, uh, adult ADHD and then there's lots of these little questionnaires and say, come, let, let us fill this in. You fill it in, and it gives you a score at the end to tell you um, if you've got it or not. So you see, once you uh, look at all those things to kind of uh, convince a person. The other problem is, Kathy is that often people come to us once they get into trouble. Once the person at work gets into trouble because they're not performing, um, and then they go on to a disciplinary, and they go on to what they call performance management, And only then would they begin to realize, listen, I really need help because this this is a problem. So, you know, we don't want people to to get into a performance problem first before they get help. One should try and convince people beforehand Mm. to recognize their symptoms and go for help.
0: I mean, does that mean that there is a a stigma that is attached to ADHD?
1: I think there still is. I think that Mm. is with all psychiatric disorders. And and, um, and I, I, I get it, you know, when the adults come to me or exactly what we're talking about now when the wife kind of brings the husband and say, listen, um, I think you need to go. And then the wife brings the husband to me and we go through everything, do the whole history and everything and finally we make the diagnosis. And then the husband would sit with me and he said, now, do you want to tell me I'm sick? You know, <laughs> that, that kind of thing, that, that they still see it as a kind of a, but it is an illness you know mm. and then i always go back and say listen yes it is a illness it is a disease but it is a medical thing that can be managed you know it's something that you i can't know you are know, born with it's something that your brain is developed not the same as everybody else's that there are the parts of the brain that is different but we need to pay pay attention to it because once we pay attention to it, your quality of life,
0: your relationships will be so much better. Okay, yeah. I want to take more voice notes, uh, Dr. Cobb. So I'll play one and then I'll give you a chance to respond after.
1: Revella Keithian, our lovely doctor. You know, this thing, I, I, I like the way you've posed the question to him on genetics. You know, this thing, EHDH, it runs in the blood. In some families, it is in the DNA. I'm telling you the stark truth. It's just that from an African perspective,
3: we end up saying, oh, la balé de Hey, balé You know, we believe in witchcraft. Yes, it exists, but ESDH
1: in some families is in the DNA. Good morning, lovely sister. How was it from Brandfish? ta
3: Kathy. Yes, Um, This is Steven in Cape Town. Listening to your guest today, I was, I'm laughing, you know, I'm laughing at how he really describes me. And, um, you know, you know, Kathy, we really, especially amongst uh, Black communities, we really don't take the issue of ADHD serious. Oftentimes you find that uh, people will associate that with a person being a slow learner of some sort. So, and personally, I struggled a lot when I was, I was in my undergraduate. Um, uh, my performance was very, very low. It took me five years to complete a four year degree. And, but two years ago, I consulted and I found out that, indeed, I'm an ADHD. I, had, I paid 12,000 rands of five in 2019 December. Uh, I always speed. I drive on the yellow lane. I do all that. And, and guess what? After starting to take uh, my treatment, I went to Europe. In Sweden, I did my master's degree. And my performance overall was an average of 82%. And that's how treatment helped me, and I'm continuing to take it.
0: Wow, what an incredible story, and thanks that for sharing brilliant. that with us. Yeah, Dr. Cobb.
1: That is so brilliant. I mean, I'm so glad that somebody has come up to, to, to tell us exactly the benefits of the treatment, getting the doctor the correct diagnosis and going on treatment. And and that is, I'm so glad that this came up because that just shows us, Cassie, you know, how this can improve a person's life mm. um, and, and, and really I hope that the people are listening out there um, and, and and you know please forget about the stigma if, if you think you've got this you've listened to all the program today of all the symptoms go for help because this is just one example but I'm sure there are many many more examples like we've just heard how this can really change a person's life and I see that in the practice as well when people come to us, and they, they finally on the right medicines and, and things like that. And they all come back to me and, and say, I'm a different person. Why didn't I do this earlier? Mm. So that, Kathy, I'm so glad that that came up. Mm.
0: I've got another question here. Um, and this listener says, Kathy, is there a nexus between decision-making and ADHD? In other words, what's the probability that one's ADHD can impair their decision-making?
1: Yeah, it, 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 it can, and in, in a way that you often find with, with people with ADHD that they've got problems with decision-making. It's that problems what we call with executive functioning. So so their brains are often so active that they, they if they have to make a decision about one thing, there's just so many thoughts going, possibilities going through their mind. What about this? What about that? Should I make this decision, that decision? What if I make this decision and, and that thing happens? You know, so their brain, their brain is so active about all those things that they really often find difficulty of just getting down, sitting down and making a decision because they're, they're, their minds, their thoughts are just all over the place. So so that is often the problem there.
0: Yeah, go for it's it. Almost like,
1: and so many of the, the patients that I see says, you know, initially that they've got this kind of, it's often described as brain fog, this kind of, dull thinking, mm. and and they would come back to you and say, since I've taken the medicine since I've been taking the medication, my thoughts are clear. It is kind of, you know, uh, between a, a, a day like today with all the clouds in the air, mm. and then another day which everything is shining and bright and clear. That is the kind of often the difference that they describe to
0: me. Wow! So so there's an incredible yeah. benefit then in. Uh, going through the investigative process yeah. to reach a diagnosis and to be put on treatment. Yes. Dr. Corb, I have one last question for you here. Yeah. And uh, this is a question from somebody who says they're dealing with a spouse who has depression, anxiety, and ADHD, yeah. and yeah. They, they don't know what to do.
1: Yeah. And and like I said, that's one stage today as well. There's often what we call comorbidity. And there's often uh, anxiety and depression involved as well. So the doctor that treats it must look at all those aspects. And then they most likely will will get treatment for a a medication for the ADHD and then one other medication for the anxiety and the depression. And there's no problem with with prescribing the two medicines together. so, so really, that is absolutely no problem. One can treat both of those, and one should always, always assess for the comorbidities for what else is there, um, you know, depression, anxiety, OCD, any of those other kind of things, mm-hmm. and and that must obviously also be managed properly.
0: Dr. Cope, yeah. we're, airi- we're nearing, rather, the end of our conversation, and I just wanted to find out from you, for those people who are thinking about you know, themselves, like I said to you, there are others who yeah. were sending WhatsApp messages saying they hear the symptoms and they very much feel that that is a description of what they are going through or who they are, yeah. what advice do you have for them, and uh, are there details that you can leave with us for them to get in touch?
1: Yeah. I mean, obviously, anybody that suspects anything, um, or perhaps the, the first uh, port of call is, is to go to your GP, and, and they can, they will know who the people or psychiatrist in, in their area is that deals with ADHD. So first go there. People can always go and do an ADHD screener on the Internet, like I said, to, to, to get a score and see how they do. And then perhaps last, we mustn't forget, The the, the listeners might know about SADAC, the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, and they've also got an ADHD line, and they have now also recently started with an ADHD support group where where patients and families can go to to get advice and help and support. So there are all these things available um, for people to go to and, and check themselves.
0: Dr. Korb, let me thank you so much for your time today on The Talking Point. And it's interesting to me to continuously hear the amazing work that uh, Sadiq is doing. I think we need to bring them onto the show just to talk about all of these issues that they have expanded into, these different sectors of work that they have expanded into. It's midday. Thank you as always for making this really the best three hours of my day. The Talking Point back with you again tomorrow morning. Up next is the update at noon.